This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machine is firing up. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Business Machine. I'm your host and CEO and founder of Michigan Creative. We've got an exciting guest. I think you're going to love what he has to say. And Mikhail Dia is here with us today from Funalytics. Mike, Mikhail, how are you doing? I'm great, man. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Good. I'm excited uh, to have you on. And we were talking a little bit just before uh, off the air, but one of the things that we like to do with our guests is just when somebody comes up to you and they say, you know, this is always a challenge. And I hate the word or I hate the phrase elevator pitch because I just, I don't like it. But uh, <laughs> somebody asks you what you do. Uh, what do you tell them today that you do? Uh, <laughs> I, I also hate the phrase elevator pitch because I do so many things. I know, but, right? Uh, right. The, the, the short answer I would say, or the, the sexy answer is I turn advertising into profit. That's like the, the yeah. nice kind of sexy answer. What I really do is I, I build marketing funnels, um, to help businesses find their dream customer and then convert that dream customer into actual paying customers cool. and then ascend them up their value ladder and, and whatnot. So uh, really what I focus on and what my quote unquote career, even though, again, that's another term I don't like because yeah. being an entrepreneur, uh, there is no such thing. But what I've been really focused on is building funnels. And we were talking a little bit, you come from the agency background. And so originally when we started, I thought we could talk about both. But what, what we like to talk about on the business machine is, and when I talk to people and students about my business, um, I, I, I talk to them a lot about the things that um, that we messed up or, or there's no such relief as, I mean, there's no better relief than talking to business owners about, you know, oh, this client or this, or this is why I did this. And you were talking about your agency earlier. And, and tell me a little bit about some of the frustrations, although you were doing pretty well um, and were very successful at White Coat. Tell me what was frustrating you and why you made the switch. Yeah, I think um, I think it's important to kind of understand uh, a little bit of the a little bit of the backstory in terms of why I started my agency in the first place. And um, I, I, I kind of fell into the, the whole funnel digital marketing world um, back in 2011 because I, I started a T-shirt company. Um, really, <laughs> it wasn't really a company. I, I had T-shirts yeah. and I was trying to sell T-shirts. So <laughs> I call it a company, but it wasn't. That was like my first thing. And um, and we, we, we ordered a whole bunch of T-shirts and we sold out of them relatively quickly. I mean, we were just out of university. So we had a lot of friends. We had uh, family and stuff. They, they bought all of these T-shirts and we kind of started. Uh, it was myself and, and two of my buddies. And we, we got pretty uh, cocky, I would say. And we're like, oh, this business stuff is easy. And I, I, I didn't come from business. I, I studied engineering in school. So I was like, ah, this business stuff is so easy. Like. Let's just order a whole bunch more. So we we ordered tons, like way too many. Uh, our condo was stacked with boxes of T-shirts, and <laughs> we we realized that oh, our friends, our family, and our direct network had bought T-shirts, and they didn't want any more. 
And we had no clue how to sell to strangers, to people who didn't know who we were. So uh, I kind of started diving into the whole world of, of digital marketing by Googling how to sell online. And sure enough, if, if anyone's ever gone down that path, uh, yeah, it could be a very dark, strange road and the stuff that you learn about affiliate marketing and, and SEO and uh, PPC advertising and all these things around uh, you know, creating review sites and all of this stuff. I started really kind of diving into that. And um, I, I was an engineer at the time, but I, I really hated my job. I hated what I was doing. I was commuting. I, it, it was horrible. And like I saw kind of this exit from that world by reading all of these different sales letters and buying all of these different products that promised to me that I could make tens of thousands of dollars from the beach, you know, hanging sure. out with my laptop, of right. course, you know, that's, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. And cause you know, people literally pull their laptops on a sandy beach <laughs> and that's actually how people work. You know, that doesn't really happen, but, um, you know, I was drawn into it and I started learning and I started, uh, really, uh, kind of immersing myself into how does this whole game work? And, and I started getting pretty good at it. I started, um, it took a long time. I'll, I can talk about all the failures and all the crap that I've gone through and, and the different websites that completely did not do anything for me. But um, as I kind of kept diving and going through the roadblocks and the hurdles, I started getting pretty good at it. And I started realizing that I, I actually really enjoyed this. I, I really enjoy um, this process of building these online businesses, figuring out how to sell online. So I wanted to start consulting and start um, working with people on that stuff and, and showing them, you know, and this is years later, I actually ended up starting my agency uh, in 2014. So almost three years, three years after I started kind of really diving into this. Um, and, and as I started working with people and getting them results, I really loved working with people. I really love that process. So in the first 18 months of my agency, uh, even though we weren't making very much money in the first 18 months, we probably did, uh, I would say around $200,000 in total revenue. And we weren't making that much money, but I was working really closely with all of my clients and they were getting incredible results. Now we were building funnels and that was kind of our core focus. So of course we were trying to figure out what funnel would work for us, right? Which acquisition system would work to kind of bring in clients, um, for us on a consistent basis. And, um, after about 18 months, we, we figured it out. We figured out the funnel that works extremely well for anyone selling digital services, anyone who actually sells done for you services. Very cool. And it, took off like the following 18 months we did over a million dollars in sales so the first 18 months we did 200 and then like it shot up so quickly because we had it dialed in we got our our system working but if any you know you run an agency so you know this uh ultimately when when you add more and more clients what what ends up happening is your operations 
needs to become a conveyor belt. So you have all these employees, you bring these employees on board and, and you're trying to get them to build this conveyor belt so that anytime a new uh, client goes on that conveyor belt, they go through a process and then at the end they, they're happy and they have the results. But the problem is you can't really build that entire conveyor belt before you have that consistent flow of clients. So now we're adding consistent clients and we're in the process of building that conveyor belt at the same time. So people are going on the conveyor belt and boom, they fall in the front okay. and they fall in the front, right? Before you, you, you're able to continuously uh, build out that, that operation. And it kind of got to a point where um, the reason why I had started the business was to work with clients. But as you scale, unfortunately, you have to change direction. You have to change where your focus is. Uh, my focus became becoming a manager and figuring out how the hell do I build out these operations and these systems so that we can serve these clients consistently and and whatnot. And um, I remember uh, this was about February of last year, February of 2017. Uh, my wife and I, my, we just had our daughter. She, she was born uh, in October of the year before. So she was only about five months old. It was our first trip. And, and at this stage, the business was doing very well in terms of sales, in terms of revenue. We were bringing on clients. I uh, had a team of nine people. We were serving them, but um, there were definitely a lot of things that needed to be fixed. Oh yeah. And um, we decided, all right, let's let's take a trip. I hadn't had a trip or or any sort of vacation for a while, so we we decided let's go to San Diego for uh, for ten days, and. For some reason, I was like, okay, well, you know, I have nine people now. They've been here for a long time. Everything is going to work out. No, no big deal. Uh, I can certainly, I could take 10 days off, right? <laughs> yeah, sounds like a great idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know where this is going, but keep going. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's it, it, basically what ended up happening was uh, we were in San Diego and the entire 10 days, my, my wife and daughter spent walked by themselves uh, up and down the beach. And yeah. I was from morning till night um, on calls, on emails, on Skype calls, clients messaging me saying, hey, I, the only reason I signed up was because I wanted to work with you. And Now, Mikhail, uh, do you think that's because of your personality? Do you think you actually could have maybe not answered or did you really feel that this you didn't have a choice at this point? Um, I, I think based on where we, were, where we were at, things were... The, the house of cards was starting to break from underneath. Yep. So it wasn't just my clients. It was also uh, my employees. And it was, it, I, I was the center of yeah. everything, which I hadn't figured out or I hadn't built the systems to remove myself from all of this. So even though I was away um, and I tried to kind of plan everything and, and make everything work out, um, it didn't work. It, it caused a lot of issues. People uh, requesting refunds and and you know like it just crap the whole time. And and I was extremely stressed out. Uh, and you know we, we would sit at dinner. My my wife didn't want to sit near me because like she could feel that I was stressed even if I didn't bring my phone to <laughs> the table. That's and it's terrible because you were you knew what messages were coming in. Yeah, yeah. I knew the messages were coming in. I knew that like the minute I picked up my phone, there'd be crap happening. And um, and, and it, it got to the point where um, at the end of the trip, my wife basically said to me, she's like, you know, I, I love you, but I, I kind of wish I didn't we didn't go on this trip. Yeah. And it, it hit me with 
with a ton of bricks, uh, like a ton of bricks. It's just like, I worked so hard to get to this point to build a, a business that was, you know, doing very well in terms of sales. And now I'm sitting down and I'm like, why, why did I even do this in the first place? Why did I start <laughs> this business in the first place? Like, is this really the type of life and the type of lifestyle that I want to build? And well, you started uh, the business to have your own kind of lifestyle and do the things your way and, and get out from underneath the man for lack of a better word. Um, yep. and, and then you all of a sudden realize that, that you've done yourself even worse because now the business is telling you, telling you what you have to do, not you. Exactly. And it just, it, it really caused, uh, a lot of tension and, um, you know, I, I had to make a decision. So after, after that trip, I decided, you know what, um, I need to, I need to number one, turn off this, this funnel, not bring on any more clients. We've got to at least start stabilizing some of this stuff and figure out like, how do we, how do we really get this stable a little bit? Um, so we, and the funny thing with funnels is once you actually, your funnels dialed in and it works, it really is like a, like a faucet. You can sure. turn it on or off, which is really cool. But at the same time, it meant like, cool, literally no more leads coming in. No more, you know, it, there's nothing organic about it. It was, we were spending uh, about $96 to get somebody on the phone and we'd convert, uh, you know, two and 10 or 20% and we'd sell them on these, you know, 10,000, 15, some of them even $50,000 packages. So we would just, you know, kind of go through that motion, but then the minute you stop, it's over, right? So we stopped the lead flow um, for about four months, which, you know, as we were still on with contracts with our clients and whatnot, um, it meant I still needed to keep my team in place and delivering and whatnot. So, of course, income went straight down and expenses stayed relatively high right. you know i cut my team i cut a couple people off my team and then and then it got to about the four, four month mark and i had to kind of make a decision as to all right things are a little bit like calmer now we're, we're breathing a little bit what do i do do i turn it back on and <laughs> continue down this path or is this really the type of business i want to keep growing and take to the next level so um, I made the decision to say, you know what, screw it. I, this is not the kind of business I really want to build a business that can scale without like, you know, me being the center of it. And, um, I decided, uh, I, I was going to stop doing any sort of done for you services for clients. So tell me then how do you, so I can see the differences in the two businesses and it's still with a funnel. But it sounds like we're making the funnels ourselves and it's more software as a service. Am I correct on that point? Yes. And so then, now now we, we do now everything is software as a service. Cool. Yeah. And then but even even that being said, it's still a business that you have to run. But is it easier because you're really just working and helping people with, I don't know, maybe tickets and software bugs and things that aren't working rather than trying to um you're really just trying to improve your software at this point to make it easier and better for the customer. Is that correct? Is that easier? Cause you still have a business to run and you still have to have that management. And, and I imagine that you might have a team as well. So 
what is different about the two in that sense? Because you still have to have a business and still have to run it like a business because essentially it is. Yeah, so um, that's a very good question. The, 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 the funny thing is actually I've, I've stepped into much more of a CEO slash you know, leadership. And yes, we have a full team now and we, we've grown this software company relatively fast. Cool. Uh, and we have... You know, we have three at right now, three full time developers. We have uh, we have a fairly comprehensive team. But so I, I've now stepped into the role of actually working with my team. But here's the difference. When you scale, I can add as many customers as I want. OK, more support tickets come in and, you know, we have to manage the ticket stuff. But the pressure on the delivery is very very different yeah it, you're signing up to use the software sure. either you like the software or you don't like the software <laughs> right there's no like your own opinion of like oh well the quality of the leads that you said you were going to get me is not the quality of the leads that i thought you were going to get me and you know that kind of stuff right so managing expectations from a client perspective is well it's easy they sign up and they use the software if they don't like it they cancel right but in 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 when you kind of do the done for you service, well, it the client expectations can vary, can differ across the board, and gotcha. you can't really scale it to really unlimited potential with the software. Um, I, that's the exciting part is now I can actually spend all of my time and focus on becoming the best CEO I can be, cool. as opposed to um, really trying to figure out like you know, troubleshooting with these clients and all of this stuff. Now, that being said, like you said, it's still a business. If I would have kept going and building out the operations with my agency, it it, it can become the same thing. I have some friends who, who do very, very well with their agencies. Now, I've noticed that most people who really take their agencies to uh, the next level end up working with bigger brands. Right. And not so much smaller businesses. Yeah, and that's the direction that we are heading over the last year. So that makes sense. But that was a painful few years that we had to learn that. Yeah, and and most that's something I've noticed with uh, you know when when you kind of get to the if you want to hit the you know ten million dollar a year level with with an agency, you end up needing to have much bigger contract sizes. Yeah. You need to have like you can't have people or, or businesses who hire you. Um, with their last dollar, <laughs> yeah. you know, assuming that you're going to turn the life around. Um, so that's something that I've noticed. And, and it was something that I kind of realized as well when I made the decision to cut off or stop the agency was I, I don't really want to necessarily go down that path of trying to close those kinds of businesses. But, um, you know, luckily I was investing a lot of my profits into this tool called Funnelytics, um, which hey, ended up doing, you know, is doing very well right now and um, it's growing and it, it kind of worked out, so. Hi everybody, Brian here real quick. This episode of The Business Machine is sponsored by the one and only Michigan Creative. That's right, Michigan Creative sponsors this Business Machine podcast for now. So if you have other sponsors that would be willing to sponsor our little 
Business Machine Podcast. It's a great resource for business owners across the globe. And this one is sponsored by us here at Michigan Creative. Michigan Creative is a full-service marketing and design firm in Lansing, Michigan. We provide mobile-friendly websites, digital marketing, video production, branding, graphic design, and much, much more. So we'd love to work with you uh, wherever you are, and we really just want to talk to you. So if you want to just talk to us here at Michigan Creative, you can call me. My cell phone is 517-899-4533, or just visit michigancreative.com. All right, back to the show. So let, let's talk about, because when you, you, know, you sign up, I mean, it's pretty easy to sign up. Uh, you sign up for a free account. And one of the things that I thought was interesting, I think, you know, about this digital marketing is, you know, you guys call yourselves digital marketers that are obsessed with figuring out how to turn traffic into profit. And we talk about social media and there's this, there's so much shit that's out there. I mean, there's so many different social media channels and there's all these messages and, you know, even it goes back to the purple cow and Seth Godin and things that, that he knew back then that were happening and that are happening today as, as consumers, I think we're getting kind of tired of all the messages that are out there. And we've kind of seen through or seen behind the curtain and and most of us get it. So tell me why you believe that these funnels are a good way for us to get this traffic if we get it um, and really get them to the meat of what we want, which ultimately what we want is to get them to buy our product or our service. Mm -hmm. Why do you think, because a lot of us have heard about squeeze pages and funnels and and our, it's funny because our clients will say things because they've heard them about them. They don't know what they are. <laughs> They're like, we need a squeeze page. I'm like, well, do you know what a squeeze page is? <laughs> and they don't. <laughs> but like, no. yeah, so funnels, we've heard of funnels. And, and, and why is this and why do you believe that this is a really good way to really get that traffic into the right spot, which is the right spot is pick up the phone, put your credit card in or, or um, send me an email. So I, I think the the easiest way to, to kind of talk about this is we, we've got to get away from the terms and like the, the word funnel and, and all of these weird yeah. things. What does the funnel actually do versus other types of digital marketing? So content marketing, social media marketing, what you're really doing is saying, okay, here's a broad audience and let me just put out this message and hope that it resonates with somebody and that they come to my website and hope that they find what I want them to find, which is maybe a, a buy button or an application or, or whatever it may be. And basically, I'm leaving most of the stuff to chance and, and the hope that this random person in the world can find their way to me. Got it. When we talk about funnels, what we're doing is we're saying, let's change that and let's control the conversation. I'm going to place one ad in front of my dream customer. They either click that ad or they don't. If they click that ad, they land on a page and they either take one action or they leave. They take that next action and they either go towards the next step or they don't. We control that conversation. Right. now. When whenever we talk about squeeze pages or, or landing pages, um, the the whole point, the reason why we want somebody to give us their name and email is because we can now continue the conversation, right? If they come to our our if they click on an ad and land on a, a page, and they decide to leave, okay, fine, we can maybe retarget them with an ad, but ultimately the conversation's 
lost, right? We can't keep controlling that conversation and getting our message in front of them. When they put in their name and email, now I can say, okay, in the first email, I'm gonna send you to this page. Maybe I want you to read this particular blog post. In the second email, I wanna send you to this video and you either watch the video or you don't. At the end of the video, there's a call to action that says fill out an application. Right. So we're controlling that conversation. And once you start controlling the conversation, once you start controlling the steps, then all of a sudden you can measure it. Are they doing it or are they not? And if they are, now you can say, OK, well, let's say uh, 10,000 people uh, clicked on my ad out of all of those people, you know, 20 percent of them ended up putting in their name and email or, or taking the next step. So that's 2,000 people. And then out of those 2,000 people, um, three of them ended up filling out an application. Mm -hmm. So the percentage there is whatever, you know, 0.1% or something. So now you can measure it. And now you can start to see, okay, am I getting a return on my investment? If I tweak that second page or that second step and increase that conversion by changing the words, the copy on the page, the imagery, whatever it may be, then all of a sudden I get an uplift. But if I start adding too many steps, too many variables, and I say, okay, well, you come to my website, and on my top navigation, you have, you can click on homepage, you can then click on blog, you can also click on our services, you can, and none of it really kind of, there's only literally one button that says contact us, and our goal is for them to contact us. We're allowing them to move around way too much. Yeah. We're not controlling the conversation. So I think that's the biggest thing that, people have to understand about what a funnel really is. It's about funneling somebody and making sure that they take the steps in order to get to the end result that you want. Um, once you understand that, then it starts to make sense as to why building funnels is so powerful, right? Why your goal should be to put your one advertisement, your one landing page, your one kind of upsell, downsell, whatever it may be, um, to try and get that random person who's never heard of you to then take out their credit card and pay you. Got it. So let's talk about that one random person. You know, we, sometimes we think of funnels, um, you know, only for, I, I guess I want to get at wh who do you think can best utilize these and who do you find that are using these funnels? Cause it seems like to me, and when we talk about this, it has to be something that's, you know, $47 and, we need to buy this product and that works really well. Can the average business use this and use these funnel systems and does it make sense and is it necessary or is there a niche for this and who do you find that's most successful using your software? No, so so there isn't, well, I mean, I think those are two separate questions, my right. software uh, versus whether or not a business. And so let's start with the, the first question around businesses. Um, a funnel, again, is, is what are the steps that somebody's taking in order to achieve my last kind of the core goal? Sure. So let's take a local gym for an example. I'm a local gym and I put out, I use direct mail as a kind of means. I decide to print 5,000 pieces of direct mail. All of them have a promo code to get people into, uh, to come for a free class. For example, you bring in your voucher and you get a free class. Out of the 5,000 pieces of direct mail, maybe I get 50 people to show up into, to claim a free class. Now, after that, once they have their free class, 
I have a conversation with that person and close them on a whatever 10 lesson 10 class package for example and five people end up converting from that particular from the 50 free ones that's a funnel that was actually a very targeted way to get somebody to come to take action they got this direct mail piece they got to walk into the door they use that piece of that coupon to take their free class at the end of the free class i have a conversation which is a sales just a sales conversation and now i've converted them into a customer so a funnel doesn't have to be thought of as only online marketing it. it doesn't have to be thought of just as squeeze pages and and whatnot that makes a you lot of take, sense yeah yeah and you could take the same concept online now instead of doing a direct mail piece i have a facebook ad that goes to a landing page they put in their name and email and maybe their phone number we send them a text with a coupon code and they come in they show us the text same thing right but now you can measure those steps that's what it comes down to. So any type of business can have a funnel. It's just about understanding what funnels work best for your type of business. Yeah, and really what a funnel is. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, so um, from that standpoint, you know, with us uh, in our business and with Funnelytics, everyone who uses Funnelytics are typically marketers, right? And they use um, they use our software to track how people flow through uh, their clients' funnels or their own kind of their own businesses' funnels. Now, most of our business, most of our clients have online businesses. Yep. And they sell either digital products. A lot of them have uh, like coaching, uh, pro like they sell coaching and they do it through a phone call. So they're trying to measure how well their Facebook ads are converting into strategy sessions, let's say, right? And what all of the steps that they put people through in order to get somebody to fill out a, an application for a strategy session. Um, so, and, and we are uh, working in the, we're in the process of, of being able to import all of that offline data as well. So you can kind of track the cool. steps across, you know, offline, you know, uh, conversions and, and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that kind of summarizes at least my customers or the people who are mm -hmm. using Funnelytics. But, um, yeah, that's the biggest thing about funnels. You have to understand what they really do right. and how they work. And it's I love the analogy of the sending the newsletter out or sending a coupon out. It's really no different. <laughs> it's the same thing. It just happens it, to be online. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about business in general. And and what I, I always joke with people, too, and I said, you know, there's all these books that come out about how to run a business. And I typically read the first few pages and go, oh, my gosh, I'm never going to do any of that. Yeah. <laughs> and then I get anxious. And so I always <laughs> joked, I'm like, you know, man, I'm going to write a book about what not to do because there's so much of that, too. And, and, and uh, you know, don't do this. What are some mistakes or what if you, you know, you could tell somebody, hey, you know, now looking back that you and I are now so experienced at running a business, we don't make any mistakes now, of course. But uh, <laughs> well, yeah, don't, don't ask our wives. But uh, <laughs> but what would you tell somebody if that was a mistake that now with your wisdom that you would tell them, hey, man, if I could have back then, this is what I did and, and messed up and I and that was a mistake we made. Oh, man. Uh, now we don't have all day. So no, we don't have all day all right. and, and there are a, a lot, but I look, I think the biggest thing is actually making mistakes is probably the best thing you can do. Um, yeah, actually, I agree with that. Yeah. 
you know, I, you really do need to, entrepreneurship is not easy. Building a business is not meant to be an easy road to, one thing that bugs me the most about um, people who try to become entrepreneurs or think that they want to become an entrepreneur is that they see the end oh look at this dude with his lamborghini in the street sure. and you know it's like oh, okay like but you don't understand the pains that this person went through and the ups and downs and the journey that this person went through to get to that level and you see the end result and you assume that oh if i'm an entrepreneur i can get to that level but the pains is what actually makes you realize whether you are a true entrepreneur or not. Yeah, I remember the conversation that was both helpful and very, very um, disheartening when I, <laughs> at the same time. And I've had the same conversation. And so I ask business owners who are much bigger and much more successful than we are. You know, we're a staff of about 12. And so I talk to business owners that are staff of 50 and 100 and 200. And, I said, you know, cash flow is always an issue and payroll is always an issue for us. That's the thing I worry about. And, and they're like, well, you know, that never changes. Just multiply it by 10 or 100. I'm like, that's not what I wanted you to say. <laughs> that is, I want you to say that you multiply it by 10 or 100 and that goes in my pocket. Yeah, that is not helpful. And so I think there is this sense of I'm glad we made these mistakes because I don't know if we would know that now. And, and when you make bigger mistakes later on, but there is the sense of, I get a, t a feeling from business owners who have done it that it, I don't want to say that it never gets better. I think you're just okay with it. And you know, you love the madness and you love it. And every day you're trying to correct the different mistakes that come up. I mean, you know, here we are eight years in, in our business and we had stuff that we had to deal with today that you'd think by eight years, we wouldn't have to deal with it, but we do. And, and it'll be fine. So what else? And, 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 and what are the things that, yeah, so keep going. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, honestly, the, the, the reality is you, you end up developing um, much tougher skin. And, and yeah. a lot of times, one of the things that I've always realized is when you hit a roadblock, uh, you end up somehow leveling up. I, I really liken yeah. business to, to playing video games. And I, haven't, I haven't played video games in years and years, but when I used to play video games when I was a kid, it's like every single level, there'd always be a boss at the end, right? There's always be that last kind of boss that you have to beat before you can get to the next level. And it'd always be the toughest challenge that you've come across on that particular level. Well, entrepreneurship is the same way. That boss, a lot of times, is mental challenges. It's draining on you it's 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 one of those things that like it's not physical but it it, it ends up draining you and it ends up you're and you can't foresee it you don't yeah. really know yeah. what it is all you know is that oh I'm, I'm facing a big big roadblock but once you get past that all of a sudden you're on a next level and even if you have to come back to the first level it becomes much easier like yeah a good example with that is um doing doing a launch you know, when we did our launch with uh, with Funnelytics for the first group, beta group, like I had done launches in the past with with so uh, not software, but like info products and getting affiliates and all of that stuff. And like, there's always something that's going to go wrong with the launch. It's it's inevitable. You can't you can only try to mitigate it, but it's going to happen. And sure enough, something went wrong. But like, I because I had done it before. 
I wasn't as stressed. I wasn't, it wasn't as difficult. We got through it and it, it cool. Like we're on to the next thing, right? And we're, we've moved on and we're, we're, we've grown and we've become better. And that, I think that's a big thing that people misunderstand. It's like you hit these roadblocks in business. And once you get past that roadblock, it's like, okay, you've gotten better. You're, you're, you're more skilled. And if you ever have to face that roadblock again, you know what's going to happen. You know the process. You know you're still going to feel the anxiety and the pain and the the stress, but you know that there's another door. There's you know once you open the door, it's like ah uh, you know there's clarity at the end. So I don't know. I I, I definitely think that um, there's not really very many mistakes to yeah. avoid. Um, you're just going to come across them. The biggest thing I would recommend anyone though is what you what you've said which is speak to people who are a step ahead of you yeah right like make those connections that's been super helpful for us and 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 really having them you know and we found somebody yesterday or last week that was you know we're doing work for and here this guy is a software company and they've got 20 growing to 50 and and i'm like oh my gosh i want to be there and and you know he was just of that mentality is like you know, not only are we going to hire your team to help us, you know, they needed help with their brand because they didn't know they're too busy working. And so we're going to help them with their messaging and brand. But he was also willing to just meet with me and talk to me about, hey, how can we help your team grow from 10 to, to, to 20? And, you know, it's those kind of things that I think you really have to seek out. And, and you know, I always say that it'd be great. <laughs> I got so many business ideas and I think you're very similar to I am that we could start a hundred businesses if we wanted to, but I don't know if anyone would be successful at them, but <laughs> you know, there's this, there's this lonely Island that us CEOs are on right now. And it's a very lonely, dark place sometimes. And so when we gather at this Island, it's, it's good to be able to bounce ideas off and just to let people know that to stay with it, you know, cause we were talking at a conference today and, small business owners, when you first start, you're like, yeah, let's do a business. Let's start. Let's do this. This is going to be sweet. And then like you at uh, your agency and, and us on some days, it's like, man, don't ever start a business. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what, what are you crazy? Yeah. It's like, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. No, you don't. Do not do it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see guys outside right now working outside our office and you know, we've got a guy that cuts the little tiny strip of grass that we have out here in our office. I'm like, I just want to do that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I just, oh man, that would be so cool. (laughs) But no, I don't. It's much better. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about work-life balance. I hate that term. Sounds like you struggled with that a little bit, um, especially when you're on vacation and I get it. Uh, I've done the same thing. I'm not quite as intense, but how do you now today, I know you've changed your business model and you've changed your business. And so you do have a little more free time, but as CEO of a up and coming software as a service company, um, you could be working all the time. And I used to feel, you know, cause I'd read some of these stupid books about hustle and all that other bullshit. And I used to feel that if I wasn't working and I still do this, um, that I'm losing money. However, we, we have to be able to turn that off. How do you do that? Are you able to do that yet? Or can't you do that? No, um, I've gotten actually relatively good at doing that. Um, and, and the, the reason is, um, I really, really hated where I was at when I was working all the time. So I made, 
I made a conscious decision that I'm not doing that again. And, and the funny thing is I'm actually pretty lazy. Like I, uh, you know, <laughs> I feel I that way too. Entre- yeah. I feel most that entrepreneurs way. are pretty lazy. I think most entrepreneurs start a business thinking that it's like, uh, I'm lazy. This is this is better than getting up and going to a nine to five job every day. <laughs> yeah. I can sit in my PJs and and yell my computer. I'm so but, glad no. you said that because I feel that way sometimes. But you know, you tell other people and and they think we're crazy busy. But I, that's so funny because I do feel lazy sometimes. No, I, I I I and I and I actually embrace that laziness. Yeah. And in fact, the the reason is I try now to look at things as um, I, I really believe in in the eighty twenty rule. I really believe that you know twenty percent of your efforts and your your activities are going to result in eighty percent of your output or your results. So a lot of times, what I spend my time doing is I sit down and I I look at all of the stuff I could be doing, and then I try to narrow it down to okay, what are the literally the twenty percent of activities that are going to impact my goal for the next 90 days. Yeah, that's good. So if I if I look at my 90 days and um, you know, uh, for example, right now we're preparing for our, our launch for our public launch. We've been doing these internal um, beta launches with Funnelytics to kind of acquire some customers and some capital, but we're about to kind of do our big public launch. And I sit down and I say, "Well, I could be doing like a million things right now (laughs) and but I'm saying all right well in the next 90 days I've got to really get everything ready for this launch what is like the the minimal amount of activities that I if I want to make this launch it's not gonna be perfect I know that so if it's gonna be as impactful and as powerful as possible what are the minimal amount of activities that I need to focus on and then that's what I look at and that's how I kind of start making and a lot of times I'm incorrect with, you know, I guess this activity when it turns out it wasn't even that one. So a lot of times like you make mistakes. There's no there's no right answer about this. But that's how I go about things um, nowadays. And like I've made sure to bring on a team of people who are better than I am at in their specific departments. Like I'm a really good marketer. I hired a better marketer than I am. Yeah. Right. And that way it's like okay, well, like I can give you my advice and my input and we can brainstorm and we can talk about it. But like, ultimately you're going to set this up much better than I will. You're going to be more efficient. So you go and handle it. You know, the same thing with my uh, affiliate manager now, because I, I know that one of my activities for this launch to be as successful as possible is to recruit some high level affiliates. Well, I found somebody who's going to do that in a much better capacity than I will. So I'm going to let him run wild with it, yeah. you know, and he's going to work on that activity. So that's, that's the biggest thing. I embrace my, uh, my inner laziness and you know, it helps that my, my daughter is at home and like, it's, it's fun to go and play with her. So I like to kind of just say, all right, you know what, let me just do the minimal amount of work that's going to give me <laughs> the biggest impact so I can yeah. go play with my daughter. Sounds so lazy. but And that's where I think we need to get it. And that's what I've been slowly learning and, and, and taking advice is at that C-level or CEO, which I am, I, I am, and my staff will tell you, I'm an awful project manager. Like I am yep. absolutely terrible at it. I don't want to do it. It's just, I mean, if you could see my desk right now, I mean, there's stuff on here that there's just absolutely no way I want to do it. 
And so we put people in place to handle those projects. I mean, I think my role is, is two things and two things only, um, is to lead the team and raw the team on and help where I can and, um, get out of their way. And then lastly is to, to meet and bring in business. Um, and, and that's it. And when I'm, you know, working on a client's web page or editing a video for a client or whatever it may be. That's, I think that's that other stuff I shouldn't be doing. Um, but we all do it. I, you know, in small companies, we all do it. And I think at, to get to that growth model, like you were talking about, we, we do bring on bigger clients and, and that's going to be my role. So yeah, it's hard. I, I tell you in, you know, I, that guilt when you're not working, um, and that feel, you know, feeling of being lazy is, is, is deadly. I think for a lot of entrepreneurs. I'll um, I'll give you a couple um, pieces of advice that I've kind of learned um, around that. So the, the first thing is, um, I could tell just by how you you've spoken that you're quite a visionary. That's that's a type of mind you have. You know, you could yeah. start a a bunch of different businesses, and clearly you're not organized, and you're not the type of person who's um, you know, going to kind of take these visions and necessarily go and break them down into steps and no. and, and turn them into. Oh, that's well, terrible. That sounds awful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so one of the biggest things that you can do for yourself is find yourself uh, an integrator. Yeah. So I read this. There's this book called Rocket Fuel. Yep. And you should. I don't know if you've read it, but you, uh, if you haven't, you should because it's incredible. Uh, but it's it's about this combination of a visionary and, and an integrator, uh, and the visionary is is exactly what you said right their goal is to bring in high level business high level clients strategic partnerships uh, that kind of stuff and then kind of lead the direction you know you're you're the person at the back of the boat saying like i think we should go that way but then you let everybody else make sure that the boat is sailing and going towards that way right um and the integrator is the person who's responsible for making sure that every single person is doing what needs to happen in order for the boat to get to that destination, Love right? It. So if, if you can do anything for yourself, it's to find that integrator. I'm sure you have them in your company right now. Yep. Uh, if you look at your business, you, you're probably sitting there like, actually, this is the integrator. Uh, but that's one of the biggest things understanding people need to understand are they visionaries or are they integrators yeah if they're an integrator then they need to find a visionary because a lot of times an integrator lives in the day-to-day they can't think about the future too much vice versa the visionary lives in the future and like the day-to-day drives them nuts right so yeah, that does yeah that's absolutely you're 100 percent correct that balance is so, uh, so important. And, and another, um, really cool strategy that, um, I learned from, uh, Alex Sharpen, who's an incredible entrepreneur as well, um, is using this thing called, uh, he calls it a four R document, which is basically, um, everyone in their, in your company should have, it's really like a job description, but a very, very detailed and specific job description. Like on on my for our document, like there's only really four things, kind of like you, that I I do. Like I I right now I'm the product manager because we're still in a very early stage, and and I'm the one that has the vision of the product. Although I have my entire kind of development team below me, so kind of outlining what is the next steps for this product. 
interviewing people on my uh, on my show on on this new show that I've started creating, and then being the face and going on podcasts and yeah. and talking about funnel links. That's that's basically all I'm supposed to do in the business. So if tell I me that it's the four R's. Is that what you said? Yeah, it's a four R document, um, and it's it stands for responsibilities, role, responsibilities, results, and um, I forget what the fourth R is, but what are what is your role? What is what are your responsibilities? What results are you accountable to? And then uh, I can't remember the last uh, the last R, but um, that's basically how how it works. And everyone on the team should have their own four R document. So now there's no confusion. Everyone knows what everyone does. If you need to speak to somebody about something, speak to them based on their 4R document. <laughs> if it's not on your 4R document, you do not do it. You find who who is supposed to be responsible for that. And if nobody has that particular thing assigned, either you find somebody to bring in to do it or you assign it to somebody else. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one of the things. It's all process and putting, you know, those type of things and even assigning titles and job descriptions to people or something that we had to learn to. Yep. Hey, everybody. This week's episode is also sponsored by Freshwater Apparel. Check out freshwateropparel.com. That's freshwateropparel.com. And check out their spring collection of T-shirts and soon beanies are going to be on the way. We love these guys over at Freshwater. It's a... Midwest Clothing Company, and they make all their products in Lansing, Michigan, and the shirts are 100% made in America, so you can't beat that. So if you love fresh water like we do here at Michigan Creative, you should definitely check out their site. Lots more coming, but right now they have t-shirts and tanks for both men and women. Like I said before, beanies are coming, stickers, all that stuff. So check out freshwaterapparel.com and get fresh. Back to the show. Let's get into the nitty gritty here and the easy questions. We've been talking a lot of deep stuff and I think you and I could go on probably forever, but our audience would fall asleep. So yeah. uh, let's go into, give me a quote that you like and something that you, you point to or a good quote that you can uh, read off for us. Yeah, my favorite quote is uh, by far from, from Jim Rohn, which is, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, yeah. It's powerful. I, I really believe that I try to hang around with, um, you know, my family, I try to hang around with entrepreneurs, I try to hang around with very like minded people, because um, regardless of who you hang out with, you will end up being the average of them in terms of the mentality in terms of, um, you know, everything that you kind of do. So if you want to become a better entrepreneur, you don't have a choice. You have to hang out with better entrepreneurs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that whole thing. Instead of being the smartest person in the room, you know, we, we like to say if you're, if you are the smartest person in the room, you're probably in the wrong room. And, yeah. And exactly. that's, and that's backwards from what we used to think, you know, be the smartest person in the room. And so, you know, I really have found that to be super helpful and, and just hanging out with people that have been there has been very, very, and it puts me at ease and, and makes me go, okay, things are going to be all right. Give me a book besides rocket fuel. Um, Unless one of my that was favorite book. books. <laughs> no, uh, that's the book I read recently because I'm. It's the, something that I'm going in the process of personally. But uh, one of my favorite books is called Ready, Fire, Aim cool. by Michael Masterson. Yep, uh, incredible book. How do you take? I keep asking personal questions, but this is also for our audience. But how do you take those type of books because there's so many of them? 
you know, we've talked about four books already on the show and, and spend 45 minutes. Do you, I think the frustrating thing sometimes is we feel that we have to implement every single piece and it's not effective. How do you take those or what do you do with those? Do you take bits and pieces and implement things that you like and things that you don't like, or how do, how do you work with those? Um, you know, I, I actually kind of go through spurts of reading versus not reading. I don't read constantly, but there are, there are like sometimes a month or two months where I'm like, I just feel like reading and I feel like gain, you know, taking in that knowledge. And, um, I, I look at it just based off, like you said, nuggets and and what can I take from this? I don't necessarily read the book front to back and be like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, (laughs) you know, especially business books, you know, that can get kind of boring and yeah, I want to read something else. Yeah. So like, um, I, I try to look at it and say like, what can I take from this? Um, if I, a lot of times too, what I'll do is I'll read if I'm not falling asleep, I'll read, um, up until I get like an aha moment got it. and then I'll put it down. I'll reflect on that aha moment and be like, okay, how can I apply this? Once I get that aha moment and then I kind of put it away and then I'll read again, you know, this I'll continue reading the book and again until I hit that aha moment. And a lot of times I'll read a book and I'm like, this book was total crap and I didn't get any aha moments and <laughs> this was a waste of my time. Yeah. And I find too, that just like you said, those, I can't do that all the time. And, and I find that when things are not, you know, when, when we've got to work on our process, I'll pick up a book that I know that I already have that I bought that somebody told me about. And, and then I'll just grab a piece out of that and sort of put that into the mix. And those little spurts have really helped us grow. Um, there's no way, uh, that you can implement a whole book. I mean, I know people have done it with traction and, um, and I, I think that's hard for us as a small company, but yeah, I'll look yeah. that I've heard that book several times. So Mikhail, if you could meet, uh, or, and go to dinner with any business owner or anybody alive or dead, who would that be and why? Um, right now, actually somebody asked me this question the other day and, uh, although he just lost in the finals before he lost in the finals, I would have said LeBron James. Yeah. <laughs> I actually still say LeBron James. Yeah, just because cause he lost, you're not going to go to dinner with him? <laughs> Come yeah, on. If you lost, you're done. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Sorry buddy. Me. I don't like you anymore. Kevin Durant now. Yeah, <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah well, that would be good too. Uh, yeah, it would be. But um, no, it's it's actually the reason is because of that mentality. Like, What does it take to be 15 years in the league and still be so dominant and still like yeah perform at that peak performance and i'd love to just pick his brain uh as to how does he like literally live his you know how how does his brain work you know that's that'd be uh really interesting yeah and i'd like to know just from him too like what he sees in 10 or 15 years for himself and 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 you know how much of it i mean some of it's just natural talent i would think um I mean, because you can't be that good and have that be a big part of it. But a lot of it, you know, I'd like to figure out how much of it he believes is is just he knows he has to work extra hard to to get there. And, um, yeah. you know, yeah, that'd be really cool. So let me know if that works out. Yeah, I'm sure he listens to this podcast. So I'm yeah, sure it's going to well, work. Now, now I've yeah. probably lost him because I told him I wouldn't. Yeah, I, he lost. So. That's Damn. right. I was going to tell you to I turn your ringer on. Can, yeah, can we right. edit this podcast? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Give me one app besides Funnelytics um, or one technology that that uh, you use every day that you couldn't live without. Uh, Slack. Yeah, yeah, Slack's pretty cool. Um, we use Slack and Basecamp. Those two things kind of saved our life. 
I use Slack and Asana. Oh, okay. Yeah, same deal. Yeah, we, um, you know, really, you know, when we tell people about that process, that really opens their eyes and it, it makes it so that we don't email each other very often uh, on our staff, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, li- we've been around for like seven months now as a company and we literally just installed, uh, funalytics.io emails like two days ago. Oh, cool. Like it's it literally this week Very <laughs> because, cool. uh, and, and it was only because, uh, we needed to sign up to a, a, a team Google drive account. <laughs> we don't email each other. Everything's on Slack. That's amazing. I love it. Email is just a, oh, I hate it. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, how do we best uh, get a hold of you if we want to just talk to you about business or how do we sign up for Funnelytics? Yeah. So Funnelytics, you can sign up and get a free account at funnelytics.io. Um, and uh, to get in touch with me, you can find me either on Facebook or LinkedIn. Just search my name. There's not that many Mikel Diaz out there. Probably not. Uh, and, then, and then as well, uh, my website, thediaproject.com. And I just joined the Facebook group too. So y'all, if you want to get in there, there's a Facebook group that, that, that they have that has quite a few members on it. I find those are always very helpful and, and a great resource too. So make sure you check yeah, that out. Yeah, our Facebook group is awesome. We've yeah. got some really cool entrepreneurs. Yeah, it really. See, there's like, I looked down there when I joined, I'm like, oh, I know like 10 of these people. So awesome. I felt cool. There you go. <laughs> Last thing, did I miss anything? Anything else you'd like to bring up about Funalytics or you or anything else before we get to our last question? No, I think, uh, you know, I think that's, I think, um, I think the audience understands and gets, uh, cool. has a good feel. So no, nope, all good. So last question, Mikhail, if you, we talk about legacy a lot and, and I, you know, I'm 45, I don't think about my legacy yet, uh, although maybe I should. Um, but as I've become a business owner and I, and I do, I am getting a little bit older, I start to wonder, you know, what, what do I hope happens uh, and what do I hope my legacy is, you know, 50 years from now or, you know, if they remember me at all, <laughs> what do you hope your legacy is? Oh man. Uh, I don't really think about it that much either. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I, um, I think, yeah, I, I really want to be, to have had a really big impact in the entrepreneurial space, uh, specifically for the city of Toronto. Cool. Um, I, I don't know why I, you know, I grew up here. I spent a lot, you know, I live here. I just love that we're, where we're headed as a city in terms of tech and, and whatnot. So just having a, a pretty massive impact and growing and helping grow uh, a bunch of startups in the city would, would be something pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I love Toronto. It's a great city and I think there's a lot of cool things coming. Um, we spent some time there with some musician friends. So yeah, that's important. I think, and I think you will. Um, so I appreciate your time today, Mikhail. Um, thank you very oh, much for being on our much. show. Mikhail Dia with Funalytics. Check them out. It'll be in the show notes. Um, and again, remember you guys, we'd love to have you on our show to talk about mistakes and business and everything to keep me sane. Uh, you definitely help that, but it also helps many entrepreneurs across our great country and countries now, and we're all over the place. So Reach out to us on businessmachine.show. And again, you guys remember I'm Brian with Michigan Creative and the Business Machine. A great leader makes everyone around him or her better than they are. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one.